It is Way of the Warrior, Eric Hulgren, along with Ken Evans, covering everything in the world of mixed martial arts off a um, interesting pay-per-view. Um, uh, one of the lowest purchased pay-per-views in history, correct? Uh, yes. Demetrius Johnson thinks that pay-per-view got a low pay-per-view buy rate. So, and here's what's interesting is there was some interesting action to enjoy if you were one of the few people that purchased it. I watched the results on like Twitter that night. And everything was like, boom, knockout, boom, finish, boom. Now, it looked like one of those fun nights of fights, but still, you're not going to make me spend $70 on Correct. that event. Well, and you know, and you get an amazing fight between Gastelum and Jacare, which was probably the highlight, I think, of the night. Uh, you get a fun knockout of Vitor Belfort, a repeat of the Anderson Silva knockout of oh, Vitor Oh, that Belfort. was brutal. Um, but then there's some interesting questions that we want to talk about, right? The, the first of which is the... The least controversial that we'll just touch on, and that's Mackenzie Dern misses weight by seven pounds. Obviously, we're talking about UFC 224. Yes. Uh, Mackenzie Dern misses po- uh, weight by two by seven pounds. The Athletic Commission still green lights a fight that puts her essentially in a different weight class than her opponent. Mm-hmm. She wins said fight, celebrates like she's won the Super Bowl. <laughs> and then here's where it gets weird. She then shows up higher in the rankings. Oh, man, I didn't you, see that part. Miss what weight. else do you do, though, with you, these, these women's divisions that are so light and you don't have anybody the, in there? She's not in the division. Like, Who's in the division? Well, you have to like make weight, to, right? Fair enough. And what's fascinating is a Bleacher Report. What do you mean not, she went up in the rankings? They didn't even have them ranked. She was. I saw it this morning. She was ranked. On the UFC page or some other page? Uh, I thought it was the UFC page. Yeah, I don't think they had the Featherweight, right? Uh, no, she's below that. She was fighting at Featherweight. Oh. That was not where the fight was. Oh, where was the fight? Is it straw? Is that what's below it? I don't know. No, no, no. It looks like it goes... I'm trying to... I'm sorry. The UFC doesn't actually have the weights next to them, and the women always throw me because they don't don't line up with the way the guys do as far as uh, how they name them. Yeah, I don't see see her in here. Oh, okay. She was... Okay. Straw weight. Debuts at straw weight. There you go. Okay. So straw weight. Not at feather. Yes. Right. So she fought at feather. Her opponent fought at straw. Okay. (laughs) All right, I was that's, confused. That's what we're doing now. It's like Sorry. as long as you make as long as you make a weight class in the UFC, you can fight. I, you know what? If you're down there, I'm not surprised. I'm not <laughs> saying it's right, but I'm not surprised. Okay, but are you surprised that they? And again, there's many things to complain about the rankings, but this seems like a pretty obvious one to question. I s- she didn't fight at the weight. How does she make the rankings of the weight class? Here's the problem that you've got is you've got these divisions where you've got to look at a weekend and once the commission authorizes the fight and I get that it wasn't at the weight class but it was at a catch weight. It, it, it's tough to not necessarily take into consideration what happened. I don't agree with it. I see why it happens though. I mean, unless you just blanketly want to say, if you don't make weight, this isn't considered for rankings. I mean, we saw Nate Diaz beat Conor McGregor at 170 and then go up in the 155-pound rankings. Right, yeah. So, I mean, this does happen. People look at fights and fighters, and they attribute their to what they see. They attribute that to the rankings, whether or not that's necessarily in that weight class. This is a, this is a much clearer example of one of those situations where, yeah, this wasn't even in the weight class and well, the situation where uh, it doesn't make a whole lot of sense. And she didn't even try, right? right? Your seven pounds over is not trying. You weren't even trying to hit the weight. Yeah, I don't know what happened there. And once you get into these lighter weight classes, it's tough. It seems like that's very far off, especially that far down in weight. Yeah, Because that was 115 she missed, right? Correct. So seven pounds off of 115, that's almost uh, 8.5%, right? Yes. Something like that? Yeah. Uh, that's a lot of weight to be over 
And, you know, and she's had weight problems. So she has fought, let's say, I think it's six times. She has missed weight three times and made weight three times. Did she so, give a reason what, what happened? Uh, she took culpability for it, but I don't know that I've read a reason other than... Not that you have to come up with excuses, because we call than, out BS excuses all the time. Then it was an awesome way to cheat this fight and be 20 pounds heavier than your opponent well, on I fight mean, night. I, I do think you make a good point, though. The precedent is now set that if you're in these divisions that are light... On fighters, and I don't mean lightweight, but they're light no, on they're fighters. No, they're light on competition. Name. You can just do whatever. If you need to do what you got to do to get into the fight and win the fight, hey, you know what? We're going to see her again probably at some point because these divisions are not filled out the same way the men's divisions are, and especially what, at these lightweights. And what's interesting is on that card, uh, Lineker was on that card. John Lineker, who obviously had a lot of problems in his former weight class, missing weight, and they penalized him greatly because in DJ's weight class, it was light, but there were competitors, and they were all essentially in an eight-man queue to fight DJ, mm-hmm. which is different than where we are, right? In in strawweight, it's like, uh, clearly, we'll just take anybody. Right. Come get close to strawweight, and you can be ranked. Yeah. Oh, and, for sure. And then that leads us to the main event, the clear drawing point of your $70 to get everybody in America to pay for that didn't happen at all. I don't think they need everybody in America. They don't, don't but know. they need some of America we, to care. It, it was a little bit of light uh, on the buy rate, but we don't need all of America um, to make this thing work. You've got Amanda Nunes and Raquel Pennington, and the, the fight was a drubbing from the word go. And then something happens in the fourth round, which is, of course, what we're going to talk about for the next couple minutes. And that is that Raquel Pennington turns to her team and says, I'm done. And they say, no, get back out there and mm-hmm. send her out there in the fifth round to get finished by Amanda Nunes in a fight that she had won zero rounds. She had just broken her nose. And the reason she said she was done is she took a shot to the leg in the first round that felt like her leg felt when it broke a year and a half ago. And she had a panic attack. But she looked at her coach and said, I'm done. And he said, nope, get back out there. OK, your thoughts now there. Obviously, she has come to the, his, the defense of the coach. The coach has explained himself with Ariel Hawani, but I actually want to know your thoughts on that. The mistake here was not the fact that the coach tried to send his fighter back out. That's not the mistake. There's a lot of people talking about that. When the fighter says they're done, they're done. Every fighter is different. Every person is different that you deal with. Uh, you know, coaches have made mistakes in the past and sent fighters out that shouldn't have gone back out. I think the mistake here lands in the fact that when she comes over to the corner, she says she's done. She just came out of the cage. She was working a takedown at the end of four, right? Yeah. She was losing. But we've seen fighters who are losing turn fights around. It's a championship fight. You want to give your fighter every opportunity they, they can to win. You want to coach them up in a way that they can get out there and possibly win the fight. And sometimes a fighter feels like they're spent and they're not. That's part of training. That's part of every day. Coaching, that's part of what you do. The mistake here was not sending the fighter back out to fight. The mistake, I believe, was the fact that once they did the coaching up, once they said, you're going back out there, you've still got it in the tank, you know, all, all the talking up and the things they got to do, I do think at one point you need to step in. So are you good? Like, talk her up after that. Talk her up after that. Hey, coaches, I'm done. No, you're going to get back out there. That's a world champion over there. You've hung with her for four rounds. You can go beat her. You you were working at the end of the round. You've got a chance. You've always got a chance in the fight. Blah, 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 blah. Coach him up. Are you good to go? That didn't happen. That's what I want to hear. Are you good to go? I want to know that the fighter is then invested at that point for two reasons. One is the health and safety reason where everybody flipped out once she said, oh, she's done. She's got to be done. I don't agree with that. 
I do agree the coaches need to do what they did in that fight. I think the second thing is, at that point, you got to make sure your fighter is mentally invested in that fifth round and not just going out because you said so. And are you good is going to give me one of that. I'm going to coach you up, Eric. You just got your ass handed to you a little bit, but you're in the fight. Four rounds, world champion. You're in the fight. You're losing. You're going to have to get a sub or a KO, but I've seen you do it in training camp all the time. Go out there for the fourth round. You walk up to me. You say, Ken, I'm done. You, I tell you all these things. Are you good, man? You want this fifth round? No. We're done. Towel's in. Right. But you might also say, all right, yeah, I got it. I want it. I want it. I'm, I'm, I'm mentally checked back in. You got me where I need to be. Let's go. The mistake there wasn't putting your fighter back out there after they say they're done. I don't think that should be the end-all, be-all. If you literally want, you've got to protect your fighter 100%. You see something happening in the cage, you can throw the towel in if they're not going to tap. The fighter can also tap and quit, and I get that the coaches are there to help them in that regard. I don't think it's necessarily a fallacy to want to send a fighter back out simply because they said they're done. I do think there's a bit of a fallacy there and not basically doing your bit, doing your shtick, for lack of a better term. And it's not a shtick. It's, it's a real you know coaching method and whatever methodologies you use. If you're pouring ice water down somebody's balls, uh, which coaches do, sure. if, if, you're, if you're coaching them up you know, in a harsh way, like get your ass out there and do this, or, or if you're uh, appealing to their sensibilities uh, on a different way. I think at the end of that, you have to have the cognizant agreement that they're going to go back out in that round. It feels like from the post-fight statements – that that was where we were seeing Pennington land. But I will say it doesn't appear from the way she kind of went into that fifth round. That's where she landed. So I don't know whether or not this was a great idea or not. I do think that, you know, it was a good opportunity to let her kind of go out and fall on her sword. These are fighters. I mean, I'm I'm not going to use the warrior euphemism so many have used. Uh, that's going too far. This isn't life or death, but this is fighting. Yeah, yes, but let me interject here for a second. And um, the example that I've been using, now this didn't happen in this fight, but if it did, I wish they would have done the same thing that I'm postulating here. When Josh Koscheck breaks his orbital fighting GSP and they send him back out for that fifth round, you might not remember this, but Koscheck had to spend a week in Boston because he couldn't get on a plane because right. it would blow his eyeball up. And when he came back from that... He was never the same. His coaches didn't pull him out. They didn't throw in the towel. They didn't do any of that stuff. He went mm -hmm. out on his sword. He didn't say, I'm done. Mm -hmm. But nobody there was, in my opinion, there to protect him in hindsight. Right? I'm looking at this in hindsight, but this is a guy that that changed his career for the worse. Right. Raquel Pennington had been on for a, off for 18 months with a broken leg, been sent to the woodshed by Amanda Nunes for four rounds, had just taken a knee to the face, broken her nose, and to what end are we sending her out there? Now, if she sits down on the stool, they put ice on her head, they ramp her all back up and throw her back out there, and the same thing happens, we're having a different conversation. She stood up mm -hmm. and said, I'm done. Right. If you're not going to stop it there, I don't know what we do to protect the fighters. Because they're not thinking... 
that's no. Not, that's not her thinking brain saying I'm done. It's her body saying I'm done. And that's why that's why I say the mistake there is after all of that's done and you do your coaching up and you hear I'm done, I think you need to reset. You want to make sure your fighter is mentally there. And if they say, yeah, all right, I'm in, good to go. You know, I know Misha Tate was asked about this, and she thinks, you know, Pennington's coach did the right thing. She says she's been in fights before where she felt like she was done and she needed that extra push. And this is a world championship fight. And again, do you do this if you're on the, you know, USC Fight Pass undercard? I don't know. But it's a world championship fight, and I do think there's different levels here. And yes, it's fighting. Fighter safety has to be paramount, but there is going to be only so much you can do for fighter safety when you get to this level. Okay. So and I, I don't I don't believe with the tar and feathering that seems to have happened to her coach online. And, I do believe mistakes were made. So let me let me let me meet you halfway. When they're in the corner and they're saying, No, you're going back out there, this is a championship fight. What advice did they give her about the observations she had in Holes and Nunez's game and how she was going to win? Mm-hmm. The answer is none of them. They right. just sent her back out there. They didn't say, go for a takedown, do a head kick, overhand right. No actual coaching occurred. So well, you, literally, mean, you literally send her back out there and go, good on you. It's the fifth round. Right. Probably should be there, I guess. Right. No, I, I got you. I, I understand that. I mean... You know, this we can argue about bad coaching in that regard all day, but I think I think but I think they're in intertwined. They are intertwined to a, to an extent. Uh, the reason I and I'm not necessarily arguing against your point here. I am. I did pay a lot of attention to everything on the sure. this afterwards, and you know, the, the, so many think pieces this week. For God's sake. <laughs> I just don't think it's as cut and dry as a fighter going, I'm done, to a coach. Because you know what? I'm talking to my coach. If I was really done, I would talk to the ref. I'm well, talking and, to my coach, so I might need something from you. And and you're in Brazil, so they might not even help you. Right, exactly. So, they might stab you. Yes. They might stab you and take your gloves and try to sell them on eBay. Yes. So I get it. But, you know, you can literally tap as you walk out of the cage if you wanted to. None of these things necessarily need to be the onus of the fighter who's, you know, who's getting beat up. Still handling herself, but getting beat up in that fight. I just think the cut and dry way a lot of people have made this out to be is not necessarily where this game is going to land. That's not where the fight game is. I mean, we've seen it in the NFL where, you know, you're seeing crowds, you know, dwindle and the game has become this this quagmire of rulings and situations that are trying to take essentially some of the football out of football. And, you know, I agree with some of the moves that they're making, but in this regard, do you want a fighter that t- says something to their coach to be called right out of a fight? No, I guess what I'm saying is... But that's what I've seen a lot of yes, this week. Yeah, yeah. W- look, there is no... This is why I was excited to do the show is because I know you and I can have a nuanced conversation about this and still maybe not agree. What I am saying is that I just think if you're going to do this, I, I personally think if my fighter says she's done, we're done because I didn't see anything as somebody who's been watching this sport for 30 years, right? Mm -hmm. I didn't see anything in that fight that led me to believe that she had it in her to finish it with one punch knockout power, right? Right. So if you're not going to coach her after you coach her up, I don't understand the sending her out there just to send her out there. So like, that's where my head lies as far as like a nuanced conversation. And some of that ends up being a a corner. That's a little bit outmanned, a a corner. That's probably not as good as Nunez's corner, a corner that is simply looking at this, like this championship fight, you got to go do it. You're right. There should be somebody in that corner going, okay, if we're sending her back out, what is she doing? What is she doing for a, are you good? And if she's not good after that, 
she's done. And for an example, because exam- she's mentally checked out. Yes. When I saw the round, she's mentally checked out. When you hear her comments after, it sounds like she liked that her coach did that and pushed her farther. So I mean, we're hearing and seeing different things, which you and I have been in the world of media and research for a long time. That's nothing new to either of us. Correct. What I saw was a fighter that was checked out mentally, and that's very, very dangerous, and you don't want to put a fighter in that situation. The fact that she says she's done does not necessarily mean she's actually done. And, you know, I know no means no, but that's not what this is. This is fighting. This is coaching. This is sometimes, depending on your fighter, pushing them to go deeper than they have before to be better than they ever have been before. But that's not, of course, that's not what happened, right? No. Um, no, and of course, we can look back in, on this and go, hey, you know what? Uh, that was a stupid move. I'll, I will tell you that. It's a stupid move. But I certainly don't want to look at this one stupid move and all of a sudden, you know, some guy who's 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 fighting his ass off and, you know, maybe he's never he's never been that deep in a UFC fight. Let's say some guy's jumping over from cage combat or whatever. First UFC fight. This guy is going to be on fight pass, right? And, you know, he's got his corner. He gets in a UFC fight. You know, first round not going well. Maybe he's a wrestler. I mean, if you want to talk scenarios, I'm going to, I'm going to give you one. And he's blown out after the first round. His coaches know he can go farther. They've seen him go farther in training. They've seen him do this. Do you want that guy walking over to his coach? Hey, coach, I don't know. I, don't, I, think, I, I think I'm done. Referee waves it off before anything else happens. You are 100% right. Like, there are plenty of opportunities where cardio can be the thing that you're going to quit on, and that is not what I'm saying. And the example that I've been using this week is uh, Aljamain Sterling. If you were following him on fight night, um, this is the stuff that I would expect, and I'm going to read two of his tweets and get back to your, your points here. You know, this is the stuff that I was hoping you would hear in the corner. Defensively, I clearly see holes in future opponents to capitalize against Nunes. When people push her forward, she tends to put her hands out while backing up. She's getting away by moving away the power along with the footwork. Pay attention. And then later on, he, he reposts the video of her saying she's done and says, this is awful to see and hear. No technical changes given to a mentally... Uh, broken Rocky to feel that she could win just a be tough push through take more damage while looking for an opening that no one pointed out to her at all right I'm 100% with you there I didn't, these things are all intertwined because if she was given some type of advice like that and you know a realistic way to kind of go in there and do something in that next round I think some of this uh, Twitter furor would have died down a little bit. It still would have been there. I mean, of course it would, but that's a different decision. If you, you know, because you're her eyes and ears again, right? She's not using her thinking brain. She's fighting somebody. So mm-hmm. you're watching this fight and you're going, every time you step to the left, she dips her head. Like, think John Jones and Daniel Cormier. Everybody in the arena, except for Daniel Cormier, knows that every time he gets hurt, he leans to the left. Right. So his corner just waits for that time to tell John to head kick him into next Tuesday. Mm -hmm. If you see something like that and she comes over and says, I'm done, you go, look, I know you're in a lot of pain. I think we can do this last round. Here's what I think you can do. Every time you step to the left, she puts it like whatever it is. Well, I mean, and then and then we do the Ken Evans. Are you good? Right. Well, and that's the thing, too, is. I mean, we don't know. Maybe her coaches aren't as good. <laughs> I mean, well, that, maybe I mean, they haven't seen that. That's clear because right. they didn't tell her to do anything. Right. Just said, go out there. Okay. So I just, I don't think it's as black and white as a fighter saying they're done, which sounds kind of crazy, but she's talking to her coach. I mean, if you say you're done to a ref, you're done, and they're yes. going to call the fight. Yep. I mean, that's that's pretty simple. And there are cases, again, this is not one of them because I believe that they shouldn't have sent her out, but there are clear cases 
we'll use pick on wrestlers for a second. There are clear cases where wrestlers blow themselves out in round one, mm-hmm. a la Jacare, mm-hmm. right, who runs out of gas and he didn't say this, but like they would come to the corner and go, I'm done. And, and their coach would be like, no, you're just tired. That's different. Right. Exactly. Get back out there. Yeah. Well, he, he was done in that fight. He, though. Well, yes. <laughs> but he didn't come. To, he didn't come to the corner and right. say, I'm tired. Yeah. He just ran out of gas. So where are we in the middleweight division? We Who talked a lot about know. this last I, week with the podcast. I said if Leota wins, that's bad because Leota can conceivably work his way back into the title picture, right? Which I don't think he has any business being in. But I mean, he's gonna. Not only was Leota winning, I, I, I love the fact that Leota won, but I knew it was going to cause problems. Not only did he win, I mean, it was spectacular. Well, and if you've got if you and no casual fans saw this, but if any casual fans see this, which is what they saw on Twitter as far as replays, everybody's going, yeah, Leota should probably be up there for title shot, even though Kelvin Gastelum had the better win that night. Well, and that fight was boring until he kicked him in the until face. He kicked him in the face. It was not a good fight. But everybody saw that on Twitter and like, yeah, I want to see that guy. And so and then you go to the 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 Gastelum win, which is a great win, mm-hmm. although not crystal clear because it's a split decision, and it was a fantastic fight, right? Was it so, split? I didn't yeah, know it was, it was split. A, it was a split decision. Oh. And so, well, because you could give a 10-8 to Jacare in that first round because he just owned him. That's true. Owned then, him. Then he blowed, blowed up. Yeah. <laughs> but, but what I'm saying is, do, do you run that one back? Right? It's a split decision. No, it, you don't. No, no. Just because they're splits. God. Hey, hold on. Damn it, Eric. I'm, <laughs> I'm not saying that we should do that, but this is where we are, right? Because you've got in June, the first week of June, you've got the title fight between Romero and Whitaker, right? Yes. So those two guys are taken care of. Jacare is on a loss, so we'll put him in this bucket over here. Okay. Leona Machida just beat Vitor Belfort in a boring and spectacular win at the same time, which is interesting. Right. Kelvin Gastelum continues to be a force at this division, so you want to see him in a title fight at some point, although I don't know that this win puts him there just because there's other stuff going on in the division. Kelvin Leoto? Sure. Let's do that. Okay. All right. Hey, we made a quick fight. That's the fight we said should have happened. Yeah, if you well, remember last week's podcast, because if you did that, then you you've made a decision, right? Instead, if, we're we're drawing it out. Be, if Jacare beats Vitor, he doesn't really change in the rankings, and Vitor retires, and Jacare is still relevant at one eighty five, right? Mm-hmm. If Kelvin beats Leoto, mm-hmm. he beats a legend in the sport and continues his win streak at eighty five, and you build that story towards a title fight, right? I mean, your booking was way better than their booking. Yes, exactly. Well, yeah, and, and you know we're we're a step ahead, and I don't know. Again, we're t- we let's go back to the cookie analogy. You know, maybe they're trying to stretch their ingredients because they have so many events that they're trying to get to here, which we'll talk a little more about in a minute with the uh, uh, UFC ESPN deal. Can't even wait. Yeah, we can't wait. Can't even wait. So, what else do we have to run down from this event before we move on? I just wanted to. Well, and you've also so to stay at. 185 for a second you've got Rockhold and Weidman in there too well yeah of course right so like I just always assume they're lined up to fight each other and I know that's not the case <laughs> so right now as the rankings are in for this week Whitaker's your champ Yoel is number one Rockhold two Weidman three Gastelum four Jacare five okay and Rockhold is saying that he wants to move to 205 which is fine go do that <laughs> no I mean go do that okay I just think it's funny I, he says he wants to torture himself, though, earlier this year to just to stay at that weight to fight Bisping. So I don't know which he wants to do. And I don't know that that's I, I don't see that happening. Right. No. I don't think that Bisping's going to take that fight. I, I don't know that Bisping actually comes back. 
Um, yeah, but I mean, well, I'll believe this being's done when he fixes that eye. If you're Rockhold and you're looking at two oh five, and the champ is left for the weekend, oh, I keep forgetting about that. Right? Yeah. Why would you not do that? There is no one at two oh five that I think is a huge threat to a guy like Rockhold. Gustafson, I think I think Gustafson handles him pretty easily. I really do. I don't know about easily. It's a fascinating fight. I don't know if it's, man, I just feel like Gustafson's been in there against guys like DC and John Jones, and uh, I think he fought Glover too once. I mean, just some of these big dudes at light heavyweight. I mean, he's been in there with them, and he's handled himself, and some people argue that he might have won more rounds in that John Jones fight than anybody give him credit for. I feel like outside won, of that. He won six of those five. Rounds. He won six of five. Seven of five, I believe. Uh <laughs> But, I mean, outside of that, I think he could have some very interesting fights. I just think Gustafson would – and that, that doesn't necessarily mean just because there's one guy in the division that can beat you, you don't go to the division. But, again, yeah, I mean, I just think if you you know, if you know feel like 205 is easy to make, it's less of a weight cut, you know, you don't have to deal with any of that stuff, you're going to do the Uriah Faber – not the Uriah Faber, the Frankie Edgar, you're going to stay two pounds mm-hmm. around your weight class, go for it. I would totally if I was a fighter who could make that from 185, I would do that in a second. There's no one up there. Well, no one is excessive. Who is up there who isn't named Gustafson or Jones or Cormier? Owen Zamir, I think is is pretty good fighter. I mean, these are tough dudes. What are we talking about? Dude, Nobody's or guys that could beat Luke Rockhold because I think some of these guys could beat Luke Rockhold. I don't know about that. And what I would say is none of those guys have come close to beating either one of the champs at whatever points that they've owned the belt. It's been two guys with the belt for five years. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I, I don't disagree. Any. There are only two competitors at that division, and everyone else just kind of lines up for the scraps. Fair enough. I mean, I just don't know about coming off a middleweight loss if you want to be going up. But you, there's what I would say is if you're Rockhold, there's plenty of people of like number five and below at 205 you could jump into, beat Jimmy Manawa, mm-hmm. right? Who's gonna box with you, what, right? Why? Why you gotta? Why you gotta throw Jimmy Manoa under the bus there? Because I know that he'll stand up with him. That's why, right? Oh, you know what? Speaking of, hold on. Uh, I'm gonna jump back just because I forgot about this. You can't put Kelvin in that fight, championship fight, because Weidman's got the last win, right? And he's higher ranked. So what do you do? You, you I don't know. I just thought about that because I was trying to remember Weidman's last fight, and it was Gastelum. Even though Weidman is. One in, th- what, one in three, one in uh, out of the last four? Right. That one is over freaking Kelvin Gastelum. Yep. So we, we might we might have to redo that one. Do, do we have Weidman lined up for anything coming up? I Off the top of my head, I don't know. I don't know either. Maybe somebody can tweet us at WOW Show. Yes. Uh, so you can tweet us if you know what Chris Weidman's up to. Because he fought, I, that was the fight in New York, wasn't it? Because he, I mean, he only fights in New York the past couple of fights, but <laughs> so yeah, I just thought about that. I'm sorry, I was looking at the rankings and literally saw Weidman's name and started thinking about that. So yeah, you want? Uh, we might be figuring out this division pretty quick. Then, I mean, you you have Gastelum and Weidman, and then uh, that winner could probably take on the winner of Whitaker and Romero. And I don't know, maybe maybe Machida's in there somewhere. Maybe he isn't. He didn't really jump into the top five necessarily. Maybe Machida Souza is your next fight there to kind of clear those two guys out and figure out what's going on. Although one's coming off a win, one's coming off a loss. Could be interesting, though, as we move into 2018 for the latter half of the year. Could be. But you're not counting on well, it? Well, I just, like, I, I don't know. I just... Yeah, I don't know. You've got an event this weekend that, again, does nothing. We do? What? Yeah. 
Well, you're at uh, Fight Night Saturday Night, which is Damian Maya and Usman um, on Fox Sports 1 in mm. Chile. But, like, that's the only fight of note on that card. And um, Usman is an absolute beast. Damian Maya, the only one that wants to take that fight uh, at 170 pounds. So you've got that going on at 170. We're still waiting to see what happens with GSP. Um, hmm. Yeah, I, I don't what, Where does GSP want to go now? I'm sorry. I know I ask you this every week. 55 right now. That's right. Oh, that's right. We talked about him yes. and Diaz fighting. Yes. Okay. We'll move along from that, yes. I think. So you wanted point. to jump into the ESPN <laughs> discussion a little oh, bit. Oh, I do. After Bellator 199. Yes. What did you think? Uh, what, it was 199, right? Yes. I believe in San Jose because we're coming up on 200. What can you say about Ryan Bader? Oh, man, I, I made a drink and the fight was over. I'm not even kidding. <laughs> Eric and I were at an event that night. We both probably got home about the same time. We live about the same distance away. Yep. I literally got home, and I think uh, it was during the John Fitch-Paul Daly fight, if you can call that a fight, whatever a that was. It's John Fitch fight. Oh, my gosh. And Paul Daly, getting, but he wouldn't shut up while he was getting his ass whipped. That was kind of, it was interesting sort of to watch, sure. I guess. Jumping in late on that one. So, yeah, Ryan Bader is fighting King Mo. I literally walk to go get a drink, and I hear the bell. I'm like, oh, better hurry. And, uh, oh, it's over. What the hell just happened? That was kind of crazy. Mm-hmm. I didn't expect that from Ryan Bader. A TKO? You know, and he, I mean, he's had a great run at Bellator, um, and, you know, he could be your two-belt champion here at the end of Oh, this. boy. Right? Oh, boy. Yeah, he's your light heavyweight champion, and he's technically in the heavyweight, heavyweight Grand Prix, right? Yeah, so it's, you've got Chael and Fedor. Mm-hmm. And then you've got Bader versus. Oh, I don't know who Bader's fighting. Um, Let me find the. Bader be fighting then. Do to do. Here we go. I'm looking this up. Uh, the uh, No, that was Chael, which was the Rampage fight. Uh, heavyweight Grand. Mitrione, right? Oh, I believe so, yeah. Mitrione. So um, we got that. Yeah, he's, he's having a nice run. And I certainly strikes over King Mo. No, that's not what I expected in 15 seconds. Right. So, I mean, that the Grand Prix is getting more and more interesting because, I mean, the Bader-Mitrione fight is super fascinating. I'm trying to see if I can find the actual schedule because we keep joking about when yeah, this Yeah, I don't thing know. Ends. I, well, it ends in 2021. Stop. <laughs> I don't believe that's true. On Fedor's 57th birthday. Oh, my gosh. Updated brackets, blah, blah, blah. All right, so we've got, yeah, we've got Bader and Mitrione. We've got Chal and Fedor, obviously. When, so when are these happening? I'm trying to find that out. Okay. They have not actually listed it here on the site, it looks like. Why so would they? we know who's fighting. We don't know when. All right, I'll keep looking that up as we talk a little bit. But a, gr- <laughs> a great win by Bader and super fun because I think a lot of people, a lot of fans of the UFC that might have been tuning in were rooting for that, and I think this this sets this thing up nicely. Um, and I, I'm excited about mm-hmm. what they're doing. I'm not necessarily excited about this Chuck Liddell conversation that is born out of this last weekend, but... I guess whatever. the Chuck Liddell conversation. He wants to come out of retirement and fight Tito Ortiz. Oh, that's right. And John Jones. Didn't he beat Tito twice? Yes. Why would we do this again? I don't. First of all, <laughs> why, why would you? Why would you unretire? Second of all, who wants to see this? Third of all, what commission is going to greenlight this? Although they greenlight Ken Any Shamrock commission. all the time. So it's Dada like, Five Thousand almost died. <laughs> I'm not. I know. Not I know. Joking. Quit I, laughing at Dada Five Thousand. Almost died. I know. And the dude that beat him did die, like a month later or something. Yes. It was crazy. So 
It'll, yeah, that'll get that'll be fine. They're gonna let Krokop fight again. Although he's been kind of running, isn't he? Aren't they doing an alternate thing? He's with the him alternate and Roy? with Roy Nelson. So is that it? Are they gonna fight to be alternates, or are they just gonna be? Yeah, alternates? No, it's Bell- Bellator two hundred. The winner of that one is the oh, alternate. Oh, okay. So. Oh, interesting. Okay. Yeah, I still can't find the schedule, which makes me think that they don't have it. They probably if, don't. If I if I Google it and I can't find it, I don't know what you're doing, Bellator. <laughs> this is well. This is what we were talking about last week. You're watching the ratings don't reflect the fighting, which is always a bad place to be. Mm-hmm. And your organization doesn't have a handle on what you're doing with this. Like you've got Chelson and running around promoting a fight that doesn't have a date yet, or a date we can't find. That I can't find the on date on the internet. <laughs> um, do I just click all these wiki links and hope that there's a freaking well, what's you know what's what's vital about that if you're the Paramount Network is the ESPN deal bore some interesting fruit this week that Ariel Hawani and Chael Sonnen are the ESPN podcast mm-hmm. called Ariel and the Bad Guy that starts I believe next month. Um, so you've got a guy who now has a platform. But nothing to talk about other than he's fighting Fedor. Yeah, he doesn't have a date right now. And obviously, you know, and, and Fedor's the hardest one to like always pin down. Yeah. That dude likes a lot of time between his fights. Yep. So you've got you've got the and look, the Bader Mitrion fight, very interesting. But I mean, as far as what we're looking at is a lot of people are looking at both those guys as UFC mid carters. And now they're the other side of your bracket. So But you could but but Mitrion fought much earlier. Bader didn't get hurt and fought in 14 seconds. You could do this thing in September. But that's what I'm saying. It doesn't matter, though, because that's not your A side of this bracket right now. Your A side is Chal and Fedor. Yeah. So So it doesn't matter if you get the other. These other two guys can fight in a month. It doesn't matter until we can kind of really start ramping up the promotion with with Chal and Fedor. but But you can fill a main event slot with those two in September, and then put Chael and Fedor in December and finish the thing in February and be done with it. February. Jesus. That's so long. That's so long. I'm with you. Oh, my God. It's taking a year. Remember when Remember when Pride did these in a day? Right. Like everybody, you were going to fight the whole time. <laughs> I'm hurt. I can't fight. Well, then you're out. That's how it works. Then you're out. You're out. Give me an alternate. You're out. Where's Bob Sapp? <laughs> That's what Bob Sapp's job was, just to hang around and be the alternate. Yep. Usually he, win one fight and then he, you'd be gassed like a mother. He and Sak- Sakuraba would just sit on the couch right. and wait to be called in. Well, to be fair, Sakuraba was always on that couch because he was always <laughs> taping everything. So that was good. That's so, what's going on there. You got that. Let's go to let's let's use your your segue there with the ESPN deal. We know Ariel Hawani is now going to be a part of the ESPN network uh, at a minimum in that which, podcast, which is so fascinating. It like, is fired. So well, it, let's go back. Fired from Fox because of his relationship with the UFC. Hired by ESPN after they've created a relationship with the UFC. This I'm fascinated by. Well, this. I mean, let's not forget. Then banned. Yeah, after no, no. he was fired from Fox, all that stuff uh, because of the relationship with UFC. So, I mean, there's that which is kind of interesting. Here's the other thing that's been floating around a lot this week, and I haven't seen. I've heard a lot of talk about it. I haven't seen necessarily a lot of articles on it, uh, but I did see one article that basically kind of broke down the live rights fees and how. Even though you and I know that the UFC was looking for a $400 million package here, yep. they're only at 150 right now, and what's left to negotiate with might not get them there. That this is still proving that live events in and of themselves are a huge, huge asset with whatever you're doing. Uh, it's the same reason we're going to talk about it, WWE. It sounds like the you know they're they're part and parceling their package now too. Which that I sent that to you two days ago. I think that's fascinating that they're going to break SmackDown and Raw up into two. I've done that before. They deals. used to have SmackDown and UPM, 
and uh, Universal Networks, which was NBC USA, had Raw. So, I mean, there's there's precedent there. I think the more interesting thing that I saw uh, this past week is because we talked a lot about the events and who the hell wants these events. Why are you going to pay $5 for these events? What's going to happen? There's been a lot of serious talk about the valuation of a particular UFC event and how much money that event can make and whether or not it's viable to put that event on pay-per-view. Your valuation right now, the way the ESPN deal is set up, is essentially you're providing 15 events. You've got a $150 million deal. Yes, there's ancillary stuff, but that's all archival footage or stuff that's already being done. There's no no real cost. You're not renting an arena, paying fighters, anything for any of these other uh, products but not to dismiss it you are providing content to the customers that log into the right app, right my point here though being uh, there's been a lot of talk this week and for guys like you and me who have been harping on this for a long time this could be a little bit of a game changer there's been a lot of talk about the fact that the ufc may not renegotiate their pay-per-view platform the same way because they can make more money with amanda nunez fighting pennington on ufc plus than they'll ever make on a pay-per-view. They did not make $10 million Saturday. Let's just say that. No. So they can put good fights, championship fights, on ESPN+. And you pay $4.99 a month. And now, I get it, it's not a pay-per-view you would have bought. But if I've already got ESPN+, Plus because they're going to be doing one or two events a, a month, I'm going to turn that fight on. I'm going to watch Amanda Nunez. Well, yeah, she's, she's the women's champion. I'm going to watch it. I'm not going to pay $70. So there's been a lot of talk that the UFC may now with this ESPN deal as they renegotiate for their live events, use this valuation of $10 million an event to decide what is and isn't a pay-per-view and what is and isn't a live event. So if they end up part and parceling out to Fox for the next round, every time they do an event for Fox, it's you've got to make us at least $10 million for every event we provide for you and if that's the case there's been a lot of discussion this past week that the ufc may be trimming down those pay-per-views yeah i heard uh what was it six was the number i heard six i think four would be ideal six would be a good start God, especially re- in some of these weird dude you months remember where we have when two. they were doing four like how excited you got for that stuff well i think they can really build them too i mean i really and if you've got these ufc espn plus events and you've got your champions fighting, and we see Amanda Nunez like win three fights. Then maybe you could put her in there against Cyborg or figure out what you want to do with her on an actual pay-per-view. I mean, I think, I, I don't know how many ingredients are there for the cookies. I'm going to be honest, because this is still a lot of events. I don't want to overblow this, because there's a lot of people like, oh, great, it's only going to be four a year. Okay, four, five, six a year, whatever it is. They've still got to fill these 15 events for ESPN+. Yes. Plus. yep. So we're not going to be able to necessarily stack all the cards. But when GSP comes back, if he comes back, that's a pay-per-view. You're done. Connor comes back. One, two. You've got two more pay-per-views done. DC, boom, one. Maybe two pay-per-views done. Right now, I've just headlined five pay-per-views with the UFC with three guys. Yep. And all we got to do is find another one. And we only have to ask the customer for 210 or And that guy's name is Brock, so there right. you go. <laughs> Brock is over here, yeah, when he, when he goes back in the testing pool. For, I'm holding my fingers up. Um, so you've got, you got 6 times 70 instead of 14 or 15 times 70. And, l- l- like, again, guys. And we, probably spaced out better, too. We do this show every single week. Ken Evans, how many pay-per-views have you bought this year? 
two or three, maybe, maybe. I would have to look back through the UFC pay-per-views and tell you which ones I know I bought. I know I bought Stipe, and I know I bought DC. I have purchased zero. You purchased zero? Zero this year. It's because you're mooching over my house. It's not what I'm doing. Eric has me set up a Skype. Yes. <laughs> I put it on Periscope. I do not it. do that. But like for the UFC intern that's listening, we do not do that. But I just it's it's so much so often and in a lot of cases like this past weekend, there's no difference in my mind. Now, obviously, I know that there's a title on the line, but the rest of it, there's no difference in my mind between the Nunez card and a big Fox card. Mhm. No, not at all. So why do I give you 70? I'm not going to give you $70. Sorry. And, and that's what the interesting thing is here, is that you, you've now got a value for live events at $10 million. To show a live UFC event, ESPN Plus has decided it's worth $10 million, which is a lot of money, a decent amount of money. Yep. Uh, you know, live rights fees are huge. But they, in the same regard for ESPN Plus, like you were saying, the platform's not really there yet. They need something to bring some eyeballs to it. Well, right? I mean, this is essentially like, a loss leader for them. Yeah, well, They're not going to, the ESPN Plus is not going to make money on this UFC deal. But what it is doing, nobody's been talking about this ESPN Plus, which has been available for a couple months now. Three months, I think, yeah. Nobody's talked about it until now. This is doing exactly what it needs to do. And if the UFC does end up cutting pay-per-views and giving some current pay-per-view level fights to this type of app, there's going to be a lot more interest there. Yeah, well, you gave the example last week. The first, I think it was the second event they did on Fight Pass was headlined by Anderson Silva. Right. Guess who gave them $10? Everybody in this room gave them $10. Right. Because we wanted to see Anderson Silva fight. Yes. And then... Soon after, we went to the middle of China to mm-hmm. put fighters on you'd never heard of, and you were like, okay, well, this is, number one, you're not making enough content, which is always a problem when you've got an app like this. Yes. You're not making enough reasons for me to tune in, because early on, there was nothing like the Contender Series, which I think is a fantastic program, but again, only once a week. And so I think, think I'll put my marketing hat on for just a second. Think as you're listening to this, how often you log on to YouTube to watch mm-hmm. whatever it is that you watch on YouTube, Fortnite tutorials, you watch music videos, how to fix your, whatever you do. This is America. That's all people have been watching. For this is America over and over again, right? That's the ideal for a content platform. Mm-hmm. How often a week do you log on to Netflix or Hulu mm-hmm. or YouTube? That's what they need to build, and they need enough content to do that. And if they don't have the content, they need to turn to ESPN and go, well, maybe maybe Ken likes hockey. Mm-hmm. And we're not going to put the Red Wings on here, but we're also going to start showing you hockey games from all around the world. And maybe Ken goes, oh, let me check this out. In the same way that once a year, Eric gives the WWE 10 bucks, mm-hmm. and this year, in a moment of genius, they decided to sneak two pay-per-views in that month that I gave them 10 bucks mm-hmm. so that then you're now you're like you're talking about it you're tweeting about it you're consuming the stuff you may dip in for other pieces of programming because you've got it for a month anyway and you get two pay-per-view level programs that they build up to keep interest what the WWE doesn't do is they don't just put pay-per-views on that are just like blah wrestlers right right which is what we're doing right now. What the, is exactly what UFC is doing, and I get that they're different dynamics, and the shows are are not uh, they're not. There's one that's entertainment, and one that's at you know uh, competition. I know people hate when I say this, but I would argue they're the exact same thing. Well, audience wise, they are, and that's that's the thing that people get a little upset about. No, I get that the two 
the two competitions are different. One is scripted, one is not. But UFC is supposed to be entertaining. Yes, and you should be putting fights on that grab people's eyeballs. And you haven't built a product, as this weekend indicates, you have not built a product that people tune in for fighting. Well, remember, right? They don't go, oh, it's there's fights this weekend. Here's $70. And not that we're going to go back there even with a cut schedule, but I can remember. Damn, man. I remember ordering a freaking pay-per-view where Tim Sylvia headlined because it was one of like the pay-per-views against a guy named Gan McGee. I don't know if I bought that one. I know I bought the Sylvia guns. Was it Gonzaga fight? Okay. But, but I mean, I bought a Gan was, McGee Tim Sylvia pay per view. <laughs> that was me at Eric's house. Like, yes. you buying that Gan McGee thing because I'm not. That, but that again, guy who comes out in overalls. We're gonna get that one. But seriously, I mean, it's it's because it was one of the six a year, or one of the yeah. four a year. We would plan. I mean, there were some times, and like this is total nerd dumb. And I know that there's a couple people that, that listen to the show that like this stuff. There were some times that pride in the UFC would align, and that would be twelve hours of our day. Yeah. Because it would start in the morning with Pride yeah. and just keep going on a Saturday. And and that was because there were only three or four events a year. And again, we're not ever going to go back to that. But I do think the valuation of the UFC events at $10 million each, that's going to push some interesting numbers around for the next deal. I'm not 100% sure that's not why WWE hasn't reevaluated what they're doing rather than looking at one big deal. Because they, you know, here's here's the other thing. I'm not going to go too far down this this road, but I do think it's interesting because it's live event valuations and seeing what happens with pay-per-views versus. Um, there's a lot of talk about when the WWE has to actually deliver the ratings and the audience that you may see things kind of switch a little bit in the way that they treat Raw and SmackDown because they've always driven to pay-per-views, which now make them less money than they might ostensibly be paid to produce these shows on Fox and USA. So the shows will be pay-per-view levels. Possibly. Would, okay. I mean, there's just there's a lot of chatter about what is going to be treated as what on those shows. And again, pay-per-view to them is not ordering on a satellite anymore. Right. It's logging uh, into the app. You're already subscribed to the yep. network. So are you going to subscribe to the network to see the storylines progress on a Sunday night so you can see the big matches? I don't know. I don't think we'll see a ton of change there. And again, we'll wrap this right here. But I do think that valuation factor and looking at live events and rights fees plays plays really well into kind of analyzing what's happening with UFC, figuring out that each event's worth $10 million. If it is, I got to make $10 million on a pay-per-view or it doesn't make sense for me not to have this on ESPN+. And you sure as hell didn't do that this past week. No. They did not make $10 million. Yes. So, uh, as always, you And can... they all got robbed because yes. it's in Brazil. Well, just half of them. Oh, um, my God. This is, that, people think we joke about Brazil, but seriously, like, half of them got robbed at gunpoint. That's a real story. Probably by the cops. Okay, that part might be made up, but it might not be. Who knows? Probably more likely the judges. Somewhere okay. Ryan Lochte's like, I told you. I told you that place is crazy. Uh, as always, you can follow along on Twitter and Facebook. Damien Maya and Kalamar Usman fighting on FS1 on Saturday night. Um, is that, that worth $10 million? <laughs> well, it's not worth $10 million, but if you're a fan of Usman as I am, this is a fun fight to see what he can do with a caliber fighter like Damian Maya. And props to Damian Maya for taking the fight. We'll follow all that around on Saturday night. You can follow along at Twitter and Facebook by searching Wow Show. That is Ken Evans. I am Eric Halkren, and this is Way of the Warrior.